0: Welcome to Seymour, a podcast about movies and TV. I'm Juwan Gonzalez, I'm the host, and it's part two of our Letterboxd game. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Letterboxd, it's a social network for film fans that lets you share, rate, and log the movies that you've watched. In case you're curious, no, Letterboxd did not sponsor this podcast. And if you're Letterboxd, please sponsor this podcast. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Letterboxd game here at Seymour, it's a four-part series that spans the four quarters of the year and covers my personal Letterboxd diary, which is basically a watch list. So this is part two. I'll be covering a select couple of films that I've watched between April and June. So these films can come out anytime. They're not specific to a 2019 release window. So any film is eligible as long as I watch it during the second quarter of the year. For each film we cover, I'm going to come up with a one-word summary or a description of how I felt about the movie, just the first word that comes to mind. I'm also going to come up with one hot take, my favorite moment, and I'm going to pitch a sequel to a potential sequel to the studio who helped get the film made. So that's the game. We'll do as many as I can during our allotted time, and if you want to recommend a movie for the future, just feel free to comment, follow us on social media. Uh, We're on Twitter and Instagram please. As was the case last time, I'll try to come up with these in as real time as possible for the sake of spontaneity. And if you haven't already, check out part one of the Letterbox game and listen through the first quarter of the year. Now that we've gone over the rules, let's get right to the game. And as always, no spoilers. So the first film of the day's Thunder Road. And that was a 2018 release. And that was directed by Jim Cummings. And it was also starring Jim Cummings. And he also wrote it. So he did just about everything. And I watched the film on April 2nd. What a way to start quarter two. I mean, this movie made me want to make a movie without a budget or anything because the budget for this film was actually pretty small. Um, it was that kind of uh, film. It was, it was definitely inspiring hot take i think it's one of the best films of 2018 like is is that even a hot take it was undeniably charming it was clear that like every frame was made with the utmost care favorite moment definitely the opening scene sequel pitch uh sequel pitch uh lightning traffic that's that's what the title would be and whereas our protagonist was like a police officer he now has to get into like drug trafficking to provide for his family his kid. Like, I guess an alternative title is Breaking Bad. And since Hollywood loves colons, the full title can be Lightning Traffic, Breaking Bad, dash, the sequel to Thunder Road, comma, the second one. And on April 3rd, I watched Raw. And Raw is the 2016 film directed by Julia Doku-Cornu. Um, really hope I got that right. And it actually stars Garen Smurlier. I was really affected by the visuals and I'm usually pretty good at like grounding myself during these movies and uh it's kind of a thriller it's about uh cannibalism and I'm usually good at like reminding myself that uh, what I'm watching is fake Uh, but it took a while for me to get through this one because it feels so real one word squeamish hot take Not so much a hot take, but like a hard truth is that it took me a while to get through this one, which I guess I already said, but I watched it in two sittings and the sittings were like six months apart. Favorite moment? I think the ending was really effective. The conversation she had with another character at the end really worked for me. This film has a lot of really good quiet moments. Sequel pitch? Uh, thaw. And it picks up years later into our cannibal protagonist Uh, as life that is now married and has a seemingly normal life. Um, Maybe the film opens with her and her husband like getting into a car and heading to the hospital because her her water broke and she like gives birth during the first like 10 minutes of the movie. And like the whole film is her contemplating like eating her newborn baby and her husband has no idea about this and like starts to strangely catch on. Yeah, I want to see that. Shazam. I watched Shazam, the 2019 Shazam. I watched it on April 6, 2019, um, the week that it actually released. And this was directed by David F. Sandberg and stars Zachary Levi. I think this is like such a step in the right direction for the EU, the DC movies, their extended universe. It's nice to see fun movies that don't take their IP so seriously and but to be clear, I have no problem with taking these comic book movie characters seriously, especially if it fits the character. But this was like the first one of these films that just leaned way more into comedy than anything else. And it was just nice to see that sort of variation. One word. Shazam. That that was an easy one. Hot take. Uh, the supporting cast did more for me than the respective leads, like on an emotional level. Favorite moment. Uh, when he was learning his powers, it was... It was so much fun. I like a lot of that stuff is in the trailers, I think. But some of the like they get into really funny jams. And there are a lot of really good moments that aren't in the trailers. And I actually wish there were more of those moments. Sequel pitch. Uh, It's like the sequel can just be like Shazam 2 or whatever. And it's him and Superman. And Superman's just like his mentor. And he's just like screwing around. That'd be my pitch to the studio. I would probably use like Marvel and Sony's like Spider-Man Homecoming as an example of Tony Stark mentoring this young kid. So like Superman would be the Tony Stark to Shazam's teenage angst. Let's make fun of Superman while we're at it. Like, I think that'd just be a lot of fun. The next foot fil- we're going to jump in. Into- Actually, we're going to jump into May already, uh, May 2nd. And this was the 1990 Edward Scissorhands. I saw this on, I believe, Amazon Prime. It's on there now. And this is obviously Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. And, oh boy, this is one of those that, like, yeah, this is another one of the films on this list that I cannot believe I haven't seen until now. You know, it's actually funny. A lot of these classics have, like, a, I feel like a preconceived stigma of, like, what we think these movies will be. And this is coming from someone who watches a lot of movies, but I've actually missed a lot of classics. And it's actually about something else completely of, I guess, it completely subverted my expectations, basically. I'll elaborate in a second. One word. Sharp. That was such a low-hanging fruit. Hot take. I really like The Neighborhood more than I did any scissor on screen. Favorite moment. I, I did not know this film was about like an outsider barber. Yeah. <laughs> Sequel pitch. Uh, Timmy Spoonhands. And he opens a cereal shop and if, you know, it... I can tell the studio that we'd make a bunch of money with just based off, like, serial sponsorships alone. Unlike Edward, like, everybody loves him immediately and forever, all the way through the movie. And I guess the battle, you know, for Spoon Hands would be internal, and he'd face those demons of, like, selling out and becoming a sellout and, yeah, sort of like a survivor's guilt to his little, like, family of different utensils. I saw the game, Michael Douglas, uh, 1997. It was actually directed by David Fincher, another popular film. And I actually saw this on May 10th. As a film, it's very enjoyable. As a real-life interpretation, why the hell would anyone play this game? There is seemingly no payoff, and any little payoff just does not seem, like, (laughs) worth it. One word. Rigmarole. Hot take. Literally one too many twists. Favorite moment. The second to last twist. Sequel pitch. Uh it's it's called Game Over, and it's Michael Douglas playing a real video game on Twitch and he's like streaming a game and it's him just having to deal with like trolls, internet trolls. Maybe maybe he can play like three or four games throughout the ninety minute runtime. It's gonna be a tight ninety. He'll definitely play like we can do Fortnite. That'll make a lot of money. Call of Duty, Super Smash Bros uh, Pokemon, which one? I don't know. There's a new one coming out. Maybe that one. Yeah. We'll do the newest one on switch. We're going to maximize our revenue. This is remember we got to make money here. Um, yeah, I just want to see him like fumble with a lot of these modern game mechanics and the controller and the trolls. Speaking of Pokemon, uh, I it's Pokemon detective Pikachu, which obviously came out this year, 2019. And I saw it on May 10th. Now, Pokemon Detective Pikachu is not only a weird title to say, but it is directed by Rob Letterman, and it stars Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith. They finally did it. They made a Pokemon movie. That's insane. I mean, 10-year-old me would have flipped out, and I kept thinking about that while I was watching the movie. I'm really happy for 10-year-olds, and maybe like 11-year-olds. Just kids in general. I'm really excited for the kids. One word. Uh, Pika. Hot take. I'm glad Pokemon's first live action film wasn't like the original story, right? Like the classic, you're a trainer, you're Ash or whatever, battling it out and like going to the gyms, collecting all eight. Was it eight or 12? I I think it's eight. And the intention initially, at least, seemed to be, let's just make a solid personal film with Pokemon in it. And I think that's a great intention and like a really great first step for this, you know, Pokemon extended universe or whatever they're going to do with it. Like just the Pokemon brand on the big screen. Favorite moment. It's a this is actually a spoiler, so I'll be super vague. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to try my you're not going to know what I'm talking about unless you haven't seen it. But at the end, after everything is resolved, the real twist about the appearance of a certain like actor was just absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Sequel pick. I'd love to see someone's first day on the job. Like, I think we can go more classic with the sequel here. Um, new cast. I just think this is like an extended part of right. Like this can happen in another region or yeah, just another part of the map. And very much like, you know, the first episode of the anime where like, I think that'd be cool to set up a traditional story that way. And it's an easy trilogy, right? Like you got, you, we can do Ash or anyone else. And, they choose between three starter Pokemons and then they go off and catch more Pokemon and try to collect badges. It's, yeah, it's an easy trilogy setup because the first movie is like, we can have the starter's main, you know, incarnation, like their first evolution. And then, or I guess the second movie would be their first evolution. And then the third movie would be its final evolution because Pokemon usually have like three evolutions so we can just have the pokemon just from a visual standpoint i like the way that works the pokemon would look different it would feel different but we get to retain those like same character qualities uh and then we'll find out just like definitively which starter is like the most beloved and which one would make the most money because you know the research department is going to be looking after that like they'll take a bunch of polls was, is it Charmander, Squirtle, Bulbasaur? Like, which one of those three is the real? I was more of a Squirtle guy. I also really like, I don't know. I think all of those three are so great. Were those the best three? I, just comment. Let me know. Like, yeah, I need to play that game. But I don't know. I would have just called it Pokemon, but they've already introduced, you know, the colon. So we have to, we'll do like Pokemon Quest or something. The next film, we're actually going to switch it up. It's going to be a documentary, and it's the Too Funny to Fail, Hulu's Too Funny to Fail, the life of the, and the death of the Dana Carvey show, and it came out in 2017. I saw this on May 28th. Really funny. Just really captures a moment in time that I wasn't aware of, and so many big stars came out of that. Uh, Dana Carvey, at the time, you know, he was like the biggest thing, and... He cast a bunch of these, like, unknown street comedians for this, like, sketch series. And basically, they all turned out to be superstars. I mean, just Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Bill Hader uh, was in the documentary. I don't believe he was in the sketch. But just a bunch of stars that have gone on and do really great things. So super eye-opening. One word. Eye-opening. Hot take. Duh. <laughs> hot take. I don't know, it's tough with documentaries. I would have loved to see them explore kind of like and they they do sort of touch on this, but what they learned from working there and how they applied that to their careers, right? Like how Steve what did Steve Carell learn from that and how did he apply that to Michael Scott on the office? You know, he's currently doing a lot of dramas that all, you know, have some Oscar buzz and he's been nominated for Oscars. So, what is he drawing from the Dana Carvey show into even those more serious performances and again they sort of touch on this I just would have loved to see just a longer segment on the influence that had over them favorite moment um, let's see favorite moment was probably when they showed the sponsorship of the they, they played after uh, I don't want to spoil it but a certain show that had like a really sad trailer and then immediately after they showed the preview for the upcoming Dana Carvey show and it was just so hilarious. And they showed it to the cast that they weren't aware that this aired. And their genuine reaction is just like the greatest thing ever. Sequel pitch. Uh, sequel pitch, I want, I would like, you know, hey, let's extended universe. Let's do it. Cinematic universe. Let's do one of these for The Office. Let's do one of these. I, I just love behind the scenes stuff or just a related movie under the same umbrella that would just like a deep dive into behind the scenes at The Office. I mean, I've, I've watched those bloopers so many times. I need more intel on what actually happened there. Let's go full-on comedy. Let's stay on comedies. And the next film that I saw on June 2nd was Wedding Crashers. And that was in 2005. And it was directed by David Dobkin and starred Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. One word. Um, more of a phrase that should encapsulate this film. And every film that came out during this period. Early 2000s comedy. So. Hot take. Not a lot of weddings in that movie. Very interesting choice there. Not a lot of weddings. Yeah. Favorite moment. When they uh, crash that one wedding. Is a good moment. Sequel pitch. Let's just go full on. Old school 2000s comedy sequel, Wedding Crashers 2. And the two is going to like the we'll do the poster will be them uh, with like crashing a wedding with two cakes or they're like marrying, you know, on the wedding cake. Two different couples are getting married. It's like a couple's wedding and they're throwing up the peace sign as in two and uh, Wedding Crashers is just in, like big, you know, their white font. The same as, or I guess red font, the same as in their poster. And they're, you know, they've got their the top button on their shirts uh, unbuttoned and they look like they're just partying it up. And then there's just like a big two centered right behind or no, all the right aligned at the end of Red and Crashers. And it's big and yellow and it's at an angle where it's kind of like hanging off, like even the, and it's got like a, a tie wrapped around its head, like a bandana. Because even get it like the two even has a hangover because you know uh, just guys being dudes, and it lets just just undo everything that happened in the first movie, all the character development, everything in the opening moments like they break up with their respective girlfriends or however that movie ends, and then we just do the whole thing over again, but uh, bigger, uh-huh the next film is uh, the 2011 Limitless. And I saw this on June 8th. This stars Bradley Cooper, and it was directed by Neil Berger. And it was one of those movies that I... Do you ever... You know those movies that you watch the trailer in theaters? And the trailer sticks with you for whatever reason. I don't know what, but I remember that moment of watching the trailer. In the theater, I think I was watching... Was I watching like the... What else came out in 2011? I'm not sure, but I remember when I was watching a very a movie that probably meant a lot to me, and this trailer just happened to be in front of a movie that had a lasting effect, and now forever in my mind, this trailer, like I'll remember this trailer, and I will associate it with however I felt about that movie, which I am blanking on at the moment. But I'm just curious—is that just me? I don't know. Let's talk about this movie. One word: undeserving. Not the movie. The character. It's about the movie. I'm not saying that the film is undeserving of I'll elaborate in a second. Hot take. Does anyone else feel like we should not have been rooting for Bradley Cooper at the end? Again, no spoilers, like like he was rewarded for being a crappy dude. I don't know, maybe it's just different times. Favorite moment. The funniest moment. I don't know if it. it definitely my favorite moment, but the funniest moment by far was when A certain girlfriend takes a certain pill and suddenly, you know, the writing really opens up. And it's quite limitless, actually. And that sequence was hilarious. Unintentionally so. Sequel pitch. The sequel would be called Limited and it's Bradley Cooper just taking this new drug that really reels him in. He now longs for like a less intense life, and he just wants to chill the f out. So he is yearning for a a calming drug. I all those those drugs exist everywhere. I guess that's not much of an original. But it'll you know interesting to see this character really humble himself, take a couple of steps backwards, maybe apologize to everyone he screwed over, become clean, maybe. The next film is John Wick. And I saw this on June 9th. So, a couple days ago, of the recording of this podcast. And the movie actually came out in 2014. Third one's currently in theaters. And it was directed by Chad Stahelski and obviously stars Keanu Reeves. Talk about hitting, striking lightning, lightning striking in a bottle, whatever the phrase is, just twice. The Matrix. John Wick, especially at a time where action movies aren't that they're looked at as maybe like lesser than these other movies. And I think that this film provides some kind of originality to the genre the same way that The Matrix did back in the day. So really happy this exists and just came out with the third one. So it's doing well. They announced the fourth one. So we're going to be getting a lot of Keanu Reeves. And I think that when that happens, we are all winning. One word. Gun Fu. I heard that before. I did not coin that. I do not want credit for that. But I heard that was... I heard about it and I thought that very much applied to this movie. Hot take. I cared more about John Wick losing his dog than I did his wife. And I don't think that's a spoiler. That I believe that's in the trailer. Favorite moment. Uh, when he gets the dog for the first time. Basically every scene with the dog. Correction, every scene where the dog is alive. Full disclosure, the dog dies like 10 minutes into the movie. So I don't consider that a spoiler. Again, I, it, I believe it's in the trailer. And if it was not, I am very sorry. Sequel pitch. So this movie already has a sequel, as we discussed earlier, and it's doing quite well. I would do a spinoff, and it would be about his dog, his new dog. Um, let's just say he got a new dog. And the dog, we can make him look kind of like John Wick. We can call him like Bark Wick. Or something, and I just want to see some like dog on dog. Oh, that's like animal cruelty. No, let's not let's not go there. Let's do dog on man and have him. Much like John Wick sort of reinvented uh gun fu, like a combination of, you know, gunfight and kung fu. The this movie's gonna, we're gonna introduce uh bark fu and I'm really running out of steam here. That was this week's show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can hear new episodes of Seymour every week on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And remember, Seymour is just one of many shows that Cesspool has to offer for more info, visit cesspoolnetwork.com to see our full weekly lineup or follow at cesspool network on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me personally on Twitter at juan underscore chirps, on Instagram at juan underscore snaps, or follow what I watch on Letterboxd at juan Gonzalez. See you next week.